And welcome everyone to another edition of The Final Point. I got to jump right into it. This last game. The last game. Uh, Rockets, Warriors. But before I get into that, I just want to put this... I just want to put this to rest here because this is this has just been bothering me for some time. I look at a lot of social media posts where people talk about Kevin Durant and he's, you know, Kevin Durant's this, Kevin Durant's that. There is no doubt about it. Kevin Durant is a very phenomenal player at 6'10", being able to handle the ball like a guard, being 6'10", being able to shoot the ball, being able to... Um, you know, score off the dribble, so on and so forth. I believe everyone understands that right now since he's been in the league. Everyone understands that. That's no secret. What I don't understand is how do you say, hey, he's the best player in our league when he's on the best team with the best players? The best player is somebody who can go to a team that's not already built, maybe not already talented, and really show your skills. I tell people all the time, if you look at Oklahoma City, they got Paul George. But without Westbrook, it does not happen. It does not happen. Without Damian Lillard in Portland, it does not happen. Not at all. Without LeBron James in L.A., it does not happen. Not at all. And I'm talking about elite players. Kevin Durant did a sucker move by... Not taking other meetings. He said, I'm going to go over to the Warriors. Now, this is the same team that beat him, and he had a 3-1 lead. All they had to do was close it out. And they had more than two opportunities to close out the Warriors to get back to the finals. And they failed. And all I keep hearing is, oh, well, that was Westbrook's fault. And Westbrook, Westbrook is a ball hog. Well, that's the same thing they said about Kobe. Kobe went on to win two consecutive championships, and that's without Shaq. So people forget a lot about what do you mean by being the GOAT. I don't think there's no such thing as a GOAT, in my opinion. Only for the fact that being a GOAT could be many different things. And you could be the GOAT in many different categories. But as a whole, you're saying, oh, well, he's the best player in our league. To me, that's not true. To me, that's not true. Kevin Durant does what Kevin Durant does. But when you say you're the best player in the league, are you talking about skill-wise? Are you talking about statistics? Are you talking about can he go to another team and do the same thing? What are you talking about? So when you talk about GOAT, there's so many different things that you can mean by with him with him playing. Now, some people are going to argue and say, well, oh, you know, Kevin Durant, I'm telling you, man, the way he could score, he dropped 41 or 42 the other night. Yeah, he dropped 41-42. I believe it was 41 points. But my question is, you dropped 41 points, but you lost. That doesn't say that that doesn't tell me anything. It does not tell me anything. You dropped 41 points. My uncle always said, Yeah, you lost by X amount of points. So let's say hypothetically the score was 40 to 43. Yeah, you put up 40, but you gave up 43. So when you look at it from that perspective, that means that you gave up 43, but that shows that your defense is not as good or they just didn't play defense in that particular game. 
And that's what happened to Golden State. Golden State did not play defense. And the only reason why it was close the way it was was because both teams made shots. Both teams made shots. So when you make shots and the lack of defense and it's like and it's going back and forth, the game should be close. <clears throat> the game should be close. Yeah. Kevin Durant took 31 shots, made 14. He went 12 from the free throw line. That's I don't think you could have played any better. I don't think Kevin Durant could have played any better than that. He couldn't have. Not at all. James Harden, you know, he he put up 32 shots and made 14, went 8 of 8 from the free throw line. So they both played about the same. They both played about the same. 41 points, and Kevin Durant had 46. I'm sorry, my mistake. He had 46. So when you look at it from that perspective, I if I put up 46 points and I lose, to me that's a devastating loss. There's just no way I'm going to put up 46 points and we still lose. It, it makes no sense to me. You're telling me that we put up 121 points as a team, but I put up 46 and we still lose. Where's the defense? Where is the defense? That's what I want to see. But you give up 126 to, to Houston. Where's the where's the defense? Oh, no, I mean, you know, it's just game three. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It could be that one game. That one shot, that one moment that turns the series around. I've seen it happen many, many times. You know, look at Golden State. They were down 3-1 against Oklahoma City. It was that one game that changed the entire series. They came back and won four consecutive games against Oklahoma City. And they beat them. Back to finals. So I know and I understand the logic of, hey, you got to keep your foot on the gas all the way through. If not, you're going to have these hiccups all the time. So the final was 126-121. Eric Gordon impressed me. Eric Gordon impressed me. He had 30 points. That's all fine and dandy. He hit seven or eight three-pointers. That's that's okay. To me, I'm hard on Eric Gordon for the fact that you're going to shoot your way out the game. You're going to shoot. You you can't match the Warriors. This is what they do. They do this all day long. You're not going to beat Clay, and you're not going to beat Stephen Curry when it comes down to their shooting. But what Houston has to do is play their game. You have a big man down low. To me, the Warriors don't have a big man. They lost him. So they got to play somewhat of a small ball, run and gun offense. That's what they got to do. And the other thing we got to realize, too, is that you can only play Kevin Durant for so long before the man gets tired. You could only play the man for so long. I mean, he played 50 minutes. 50 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. The entire game never came out. 50 minutes. Wow. He never came out. From the three-point line, he took 10, made six. 60% from the three-point line. Not bad. I mean, that man's on fire. The night. Saturday night, rather. Draymond had triple-double. 18 points, 10, 11 rebounds. He had nine defensive rebounds. That's a problem for Houston. It's a problem. Nine defensive rebounds? He's an undersized power forward. He's a better job. If you want to remain in the series, he's a better job. Stephen Curry. He went two of nine from three-point line. Free throws. He only made one. That's a problem. 
That's a problem. He took 23. That's a problem. So two things happen. I'm going to that line like that. Two things happen. One, either Stephen Ross or two, Chris Paul bothered him all night. One or two. Andre got great. He had five defensive rebounds. Five. With three assists. He shot the ball well that night. 16.6 of nine. Uh, he made, he took 40 pointers and made three. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. But I remember Mark Jackson saying in the game uh, that Clay Thompson is one of the team. That's why Mark Jackson does not have a job. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard Mark Jackson say. First of all, Clay Thompson does not play defense at all. He made two defensive plays, and then they want to say, hey, that's the beauty about Clay Thompson. He plays defense. How is it that you you play defense, but Kevin Hart, Kevin, uh, 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 James, I'm sorry, James Harden goes off for 41 points? So as a def- as, from a defensive standpoint, you play the two guard, so does James Harden, but James Harden balls out and puts up 41 on you. But you're the better defender. I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand how that works. That makes no sense to me. If you look at their bench, they didn't get much from the bench at all. I, w- I was saying uh, this the other night, and a lot of people don't think about, they, they look at it like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, this is what I would have done. And, and, and to listeners, it doesn't make sense, but it does. Because when you're in the playoffs, you have to be strategical. You have to have a plan. Because injuries happen, things happen, people get into foul trouble. you got to have a plan A all the way through Z. So what I would have done was I would have started Looney instead of uh, Andre Iguodala. Because, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you want the matchups to be even, but you also want to make sure that you got some firepower coming off the bench. You know, if I pull somebody off the bench, I want to know they're going to come in and do their thing and keep us in the game to the best of their ability, especially if you got Curry struggling or if you got Clay struggling. Clay Thompson went 6 of 16. 6 of 16. So he ended up with 16 points on six made field goals. That's it. So, and some of that came from the free throw line. Because there's no way you you score six field goals for 16 points. Half of that came from the free throw line. I can tell you that right now. At least eight points of it. But my point is, is that Looney could have came in, started, and then you could have brought Iguodala in. That would have made the Rockets a little bit uncomfortable from a matchup standpoint. Now, when I look at the shooting, when I look at the shooting, the Warriors shot 42% from the three-point line and 44% from the from the from the field. They were great. They were great. But it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It wasn't good enough that night. Now, when you talk about Houston, now, here's another guy that I'm critical of. 
<coughs> excuse me. Uh, here's another guy I'm critical of. P.J. Tucker. Now, P.J. Tucker played 34 minutes. He had seven points, but he had 12 rebounds and two blocks. So defensively, he was on. He had seven defensive rebounds. Ladies and gentlemen, when you think about that, seven defensive rebounds. We're talking about an undersized small forward. If that, if that's really his position. Capella, 11 points, 13 rebounds. He's got to have that every night if the if the Rockets are going to win. That's every night. But the problem is he's got to be able to box out Draymond Green. Draymond Green also gave up six defensive rebounds against Clint Capella. Also. But Draymond Green, I think, got more than that. But Capella played 35 minutes, only missed three shots for the game. He went six of nine. That's not bad for 13 points. That's not bad at all. Chris Paul played 44 minutes. Chris Paul got a good ball, man. He went 4 of 8, 14 points. And that's another one. Point guard, Chris Paul, 7 defensive rebounds. 7. A point guard, 7 defensive rebounds. That is a problem. That is a problem. And people say, oh, Curry plays defense. How? When he gave up seven defensive rebounds. If you're playing man and you give up seven defensive rebounds, that's not, that's that, what is that telling me? What is that telling me? If your guy scores 14 on you, what is that telling me? He still shot 50%. It's not, it's not, it's not saying a lot. And I'm just speaking on just defensively. Eric Gordon. This is the best game he's had since I've seen him play. And this is between last year and on Saturday. He had, he took 20 shots, made 11. He took 14 three-pointers and made seven. That was huge for 30 points. But here's here, here's my deal. As a as a two guard, my question is: If you played just a little bit of defense, if you boxed out, if you hustled for the ball, does that change the game for the Rockets defensively? Because the game went in overtime. Austin Rivers played 28 minutes. He went three of six, eight points. He had four rebounds. Not bad. The Rockets shot 48%. So they shot better than Golden State. Golden State had 44. They shot 44%. Houston shot 48%. So Houston shot better. That's the difference in the game. They shot 48% and they rebounded 10 times more than Golden State. That's why they lost. It wasn't it wasn't Draymond Green hitting James Harden in the eye. It wasn't any of that stuff. It, it wasn't even the bad calls. They were outplayed. 
When I saw the game, they were up. Warriors were up by nine. And then they were down by nine and haven't recovered since. So tonight is going to be an interesting night because we understand that, you know, Kevin Durant is going to, is, is going to do his thing. We understand he, he's going to do this. He's, he's going to put up his 40 or his 30 or whatever it is. He's going to shoot well. He's going to get to the basket and do his thing. To me, it's going to take more than that. They said, oh, well, you know, Curry's going to have a big game tonight because he, he had a horrible one the other night. But the question is, was it really that he had a horrible night? Or was those shots contested and was he bothered? Because that's the thing. Clint Capella was guarding him a couple of times. He was bothered. He has a fast release. So Chris Paul's going to have to do a great job on Stephen Curry. He's going to have to do a great job. Not just good, not just okay, but great. When you look at Iman Shumpert, you got to be joking. He went 3 of 5 from the field and from the three-point line for 10 points, 18 minutes. Not bad. He wasn't doing that in New York or Sacramento, but not bad, not bad, not bad. So, rebounds, if you look at the rebounds, offensive rebounds, Um, if you look at if you look at offensive rebounds, that's where the that's what that's what happened with the Warriors. They got out rebounded offensively. Offensively, they got rebounded, out rebounded. That's the problem. So, meaning when they scored or tried to make an attempt to score, they didn't score, and it was going the other way for the Rockets. Offensively. That cannot happen. So hopefully, we see another great, exciting game. Um, you you got to tune into this. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be great. If you think about it, in overtime, just to give you guys a, a, a little stat here, even though even though um, Kevin Durant had four, uh, he had. 46, 46 points. Excuse me. He had 46 points. Houston outscored Golden State 14-9 in the overtime. They outscored. But Golden State outscored Houston in the fourth quarter 28-21. So that lets you know how far behind they were down. Because they, ha- they had to outscore Houston by seven. Unbelievable. So basically, from that stat line, that was all overtime. Gotta tune in, gotta tune in for this. This is this is gonna be awesome. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit to boxing. And I know Everyone has mixed feelings about boxing. I've I watched the Canelo fight over the weekend, and I definitely I'm definitely gonna get into that right now. Now, if you look at it, I don't understand why did Canelo fight Jacobs, and I guarantee you, no one really knows. 
but I know. I'm going to tell you why. He fought Jacobs because Jacobs had a belt. If Jacobs didn't have a belt, they would not be fighting. That is the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Now, who would have thought that Jacobs could beat Canelo? You got to be a fool. And I knew Daniel Jacobs didn't have a snowball's chance in hell to beat Canelo for this reason. He moved up in weight and beat a champion with ease. With ease. So when you look at Canelo, how is he not the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world? People keep bringing up Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence. Those guys are elite fighters. There's no doubt about it. But they're not jumping up two weight classes dominating. They're not moving up above their weight class dominating. They're not doing that. So how is it that they're the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world? They're only the best in their division. And when you say the world, it has to be Canelo. Because he's a world champion in a couple of different weight classes. If you look at it, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. It's weight class. And and you know what? You look at the weight class. It's some tough fighters. If you look at it, for example, if you look at the super middleweight, super middleweight is 168. He can move up to 168 if he wants to. But 160 is the middleweight. He is the IBF, WBA, WBC middleweight champion at 160 right now. He can unify all of them if he beats Demetrius Andre, which I know that's going to be a fight. That's going to that's going to that's going to be down the road. I also know Jermel Charlo is a WBC interim middleweight champion. Here's the thing. Charlo, that's going to be a great fight. That's a must see if they fight. That's the only fight that's interesting to me. Jacobs was not. If you look at I'm sorry, he's not he he's only he's only the champion uh in the middleweight division. That's it. I thought he was a um champion at the super middleweight. Actually, he is. I'm sorry. So in two weight classes, Canelo has the, has the middleweight at 160. He has the IBF title, the WBA title, the WBC title, all at middleweight at 160. He also has a belt at the super middleweight at 168. He's the WBA regular super middleweight champion. So this man has three belts. He has four belts in two divisions. No one's doing that. I've seen Mikey Garcia do it. I've seen him do it. But other than that, I, I, I'm i just saying, if you're talking about the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, it has to be Canelo. has to be. Because no one's doing what he's doing. You know, you got people going up, moving up to weight, giving up their... Uh, you got people moving up in weight, relinquishing their belt. Now, if you look at the junior middleweight at 154, you have Hurd. Hurd has the IBF, the WBA... Tony Harrison has the WBC junior middleweight belt at 154, and he's going to fight one of the Charlo brothers uh, pretty soon here. They just finalized the fight. So that's going to be a rematch. That's going to be a great, that's going to be a great fight. I think the Charlo brothers are going to take care of business. 
At 147, Terrence Crawford, WBO, Earl Spence, IBF, Keith Thurman, WBA, Sean Porter, WBC. Now, all, all these fighters are at the top of the list in the division. But the question is, Keith Thurman, I don't understand what the holdup is. I keep hearing, oh, but we want to fight Manny Pacquiao. Keith Thurman, stay away from Manny Pacquiao. You're going to get worked. I'm telling you. If you got worked against Lopez, you're going to get worked against Manny Pacquiao. Stop. Hang on to your belt while you can. Just stop. Earl Spence, Manny Pacquiao. Now, let's say that fight gets done. Let's say they fight, okay? All I'm going to say is there's two differences between both fighters. One, experience plays a major key. However, youth is on Earl Spence's side. Now, when you see both of those collide, from that perspective, we're going to find out who, who who's going to win that fight. I think Earl Spence is going to win the fight. Just on the fact that, you know, he's a great technician. I think Manny Pacquiao has a chance of winning the fight also. But I think overall, it's going to go to Spence. Because it's definitely going to go to the scorecards. By the way, Manny Pacquiao is the WBA regular welterweight champion right now at 147. At 140, junior welterweight, Jose Ramirez, Maurice Hooker. So Maurice Hooker is the WBO and Jose Ramirez is WBC, junior welterweight at 140. Now, you look at 135. Which is the lightweight. Lomachenko has a WBO, WBA, but then the WBC lightweight at 135 is vacant. It's vacant. So no one has it. Richard Cromie has the IBF lightweight championship at 135. Now, my question is, if you think about Bob Arum here for a moment. Somebody's going to win that vacant title. And then you have Robert Cromie or Comey. I'm sorry. Now, he's IBF lightweight champion. As a promoter, wouldn't you want to set that fight up between Richard Cromie and, and, uh, and Lomachenko? Let him go ahead and unify all of those belts and potentially move him up to 140. Potentially move him up to 140. I think if you look at if you if, if if you look at it, okay, well I'm gonna drop five pounds. You drop five pounds. Now you have the junior lightweight. Now you're talking about Tevin Farmer. He's the IBF champion. Javante Davis, WBA champion. So right now, those two. What I think should happen is Tevin Farmer should fight Miguel Burchette. For the WBC title, IBF and WBC title on the line, Javante Davis should fight uh, this guy named Ito. I think he's an Asian guy. I think those two would be an awesome fight. And if those two can win, then you can unify. So unify uh, World Championship belt, junior lightweight at 130. That's a moneymaker right there. But I kind of want to push up to heavyweight because I know that's really the talk of of, of, of boxing is, is weight division. 
Now, when you look at it, Anthony Joshua holds the WBO, IBF, WBA championship. He has three belts. Deontay Wilder has one, which is the WBC. Now, it makes more than enough sense for both fighters to fight. But it's about what makes sense. It's about what's best for the fighter, what's best for the career. And long term, it's best for Joshua and Wilder to fight. Somebody got to unify. Somebody. But I think sometime next year, that fight is going to get done. That fight's going to get done. But what I want to do is also talk about some of the pound-for-pound fighters out there. Challengers. Challengers. That's what I want to. That's what I want to get into. There's a lot of good, good challengers out there, and I want to start. Um, excuse me. I want to start at the heavyweight division. Right now. Right now, you know, Tyson Fury is the number three heavyweight in the world. He's fighting June 15th against Tom Schwartz. Tyson Fury. If Deontay Wilder can't get the fight done with Joshua, I would try to fight Tyson Fury again. I would try to fight Tyson Fury again. If I can't get that done, then I would try to look at Alexander Provokin or Joseph Parker, who only, well, I think, he, yeah, he lost twice. But I would look at maybe Joseph Parker. Parker's rated the number seven in the world. King Kong Ortiz is rated the number five in the world. And mind you, just let everyone know, King Kong has only lost one fight, and that was to Deontay Wilder. However, he's never fought Anthony Joshua, so maybe that might be a fight maybe Joshua would want to entertain if they can't get Wilder. There's still some contenders here, ladies and gentlemen. You got Oscar Rivas, 26-0. He beat Bryant Jennings. His next fight will be July 20th against Dylan White. Now, Dylan White is Dylan White is the number four heavyweight in the world. And, and Oscar Rivas is the number nine heavyweight in the world. So, again, there's a lot of fights made at the heavyweight division, as you can see, as I named off some, some opponents there. There's, there's so many things you can do, so many fights you can make. Um, people don't want to keep seeing the same old, the same old fights. Let's make some real fights. You know, there's a lot of top guys in the in the, in the uh, the division. Super middleweight, 168. Now, number one in the world right now is Ramirez. Gilberto Ramirez. He's undefeated, 40 and 0. Uh, his last fight was April 12th. He won TKO in the fourth, 40-0. and 0. He's the number one super middleweight in the world at 168. Aunt Anthony Durrell is still out there, 33-1. and one. Um, He's going to be fighting uh, David Benavides. David Benavides is a really good fight. He's a good fighter, and that would be a really good fight. You got Chris uh, Eubank Jr., number six, rated fighter in the world. 
Uh, unanimous decision. He beat James DeGill February 23rd. So David Benavides is rated number seven in the world. And he his record is 21-0. and 0. His record is 21-0. and 0, And he's fighting Darrell, the number four fighter in the world. So it's going to be seven versus four. Now that's that's what I'm talking about. You want to fight within the division. You don't want to keep fighting guys that are not going to help you get closer to having that big world title fight. Um, also, if you look at the light heavyweight division, which is 175 and up, uh, Sergey Kovalev, uh, he is the number two uh, fighter in the world. Um, you also got Marcus Brown, 23 and 0. He's the number six in the world. Badu Jack, number eight in the world. Joe Smith, number 10 in the world. I'm just throwing out contenders for these world champions. There's a lot of good fighters that I'm naming, you know, right now. Middleweight, 160. Number one, of course, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, Ganali Golovkin, Triple G. Daniel Jacobs is still the number three uh, fighter in the world. I Since he lost now, I'm pretty sure he's dropped and had to go to Billy Joe Saunders and then Jamar Charlo. Demetrius Andre, David Lemieux. I mean, there's a lot of guys here um, at the middleweight division. So there's a lot. There's a lot of work Oscar De La Hoya has to do to get the best fights. Uh, Charlo, Billy Joe, those are pretty much the next fights that I want to see that I'm interested in. At that weight class at 160. And then, you know, as we go, as we look deeper into the into the division. Junior middleweight, 154, Jarrett Hurd, still undefeated. He's fighting Julian Williams, May 11th. Uh... Lundy Laura, number three uh, fighter in the world. He's still, he's still, um, he's still a good fighter. I, even though he lost, I man, that guy's awesome. Tony Harrison, number five in the world. He's going to be fighting uh, Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo is actually the number six fighter in the world. They both going to be fighting June twenty third. That's going to be a great fight right there. Uh, they get a chance to redeem themselves. Julian Williams, the number seven uh, fighter in the world. He's fighting, you know, Jarrett Hurd, who's number one. So one versus seven and five versus six. That's going to, that's, now that's what people want to see. Uh, you also got Liam Smith and you also got Austin Trout. So there's still some good fighters at 154, but you got to clean that division up. So there's a lot of good fighters out there. Now, welterweight. Welterweight is the most interesting weight class in boxing today. And I'm going to rate these guys. Well, these guys are already rated, but just letting you know how, how this works. Earl Spence is the number one fighter in the division at 25-0. Terrence Crawford is 35-0. He's rated number two. Manny Pacquiao is rated three. He's won 61 fights, lost seven times. Keith Thurman, 29-0. He's rated number four. Sean Porter is five. Danny Garcia is six. Jesse Vargas is nine. Jamal James is 10. 
So those are all that you have in the division that's worth naming, that's worth even, even, even fighting. But those are those are contenders. So if you're world champion, like Terrence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, you got Dan, you got Danny Garcia down here, you got Jesse Vargas down here, you got Jamal James down here. By the way, is 25 and one. He's a top 10 fighter. There, there, there's still a lot of fights to be made here. Still a lot of fights to be made. And then you know, as you as you go down, you have the 147. Now you have the 140. So the 140 got Jose Ramirez, who I talked about earlier. He's 24 and 0. He's rated number two. Maurice Hooker's three. Uh, Victor uh, Postal. He's 31 and two. He's rated number six in the, in the world. I mean, just naming a few names, and that's at the 140, uh, which will be junior welterweight. Um, and then lightweight, 135, Lomachenko. So here's here's something I want to throw at you. Lomachenko's a world champion, no doubt. He has a couple of belts in this division. But you also have some good contenders here. Mikey Garcia, rated the number two fighter in this division at lightweight. Robert Easter Jr., rated number three. Jose Pedra. Jose Pedraza, number four. Richard Cromie, number five, who I talked about, who also is a title holder. Luke Campbell. Uh, Tefimo Lopez, 13-0. He's rated number eight, and he's taking things by storm. I would love to see him get in there and fight Robert Eastern. That would be a good fight. And Bellamy, who fought Robert Eastern, and it was a draw. So, and he's 27-1. and one. A lot of good fights to make in that division. The list goes on. Also, Junior Welterweight at 130. Now, I disagree with this now. I'm just I'm gonna read this off to you. I disagree with this. Miguel Burchett, 35 and 1. He's the number one fighter in the world at 130. He beat Miguel Roman. His next fight is May 11th against Francisco uh, Vargas. That's May 11th. Tevin Farmar is the number two fighter in the world. You have got to be joking. Tevin Farmer is 29 and 4. You also have Javante Davis. He's going to be fighting again July 27th. He's rated number 3 in the world at 130. He's 21 and 0. You also have not just those guys, Francisco Vargas, Miguel Roman, Rene Alvarado, 31 and 8. He's rated number 10. Alberto Machado. You have Ito at rated number four. They're still you. You got to clean that division out. I, I, you know, I think Mayweather Promotions, um, Javante Davis. They're just taking their time. They're just trying to get a fight done July twenty seventh. They're not going to get anything with Tevin Farmer July twenty seventh. But I will look down and say, hey, how about? How about Miguel Roman? How about Francisco? How about Francisco Vargas? So Francisco Vargas is fighting May 11th, Miguel Brichette, the number one fighter in boxing at 130. 
there's some interesting fights. So, ladies and gentlemen, they're making some fights. You just gotta, you just gotta see who's out there. But that's the that's that's all I wanted to really get into as far as like boxing. Um, you know, that was people don't understand the way the weight classes work, and and why I said you know being the you have to be at the top of your game. You have to in boxing. You have to be at the top of your game. Jacobs. Now I'm gonna give my my take on the Jacobs Canelo. Uh, I thought Jacobs for him finishing the fight. I gotta give him a lot of credit. He finished the fight. Uh, job well done. But you got beat really bad. I saw. I mean, even if you look at the highlights, you could just tell he shouldn't have been fighting. He sh- he shouldn't have been fighting at all. Danny Jacobs shouldn't have been fighting at all. Because he he got whooped bad. Canelo's a bad dude. And you get caught with any of his punches, you can hang it up. And I've been saying this for a long time. Mayweather is the only guy who's ever beat him. And it's probably going to be the last guy to ever beat him too. I'll tell you that right now. I think what makes sense at this point going forward would have to be a Triple G rematch, I think. But like he said, I got to give it to Canelo. You know, if the fans want to see... Triple G, Canelo, three. Let's make it happen. I'll beat him again. I love it. I love it. That's boxing. That's boxing. That is truly boxing. I like that. That's my show for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.